0: We've got iDubbs and Anissa embroiled in controversy, unexpected news with Kanye and Jonathan Majors, alleged crypto kidnapping, people of Israel making their voices heard. We're gonna talk about all that and so much more on today's brand new Philip DeFranco show, so buckle up, make sure you're subscribed, and let's just jump into it. Starting with the massive controversy and backlash in the online entertainer boxing space, which if you're not familiar with that niche, that space, any of the people involved, it doesn't actually matter. You can treat this as a, a general social person A, person B story, and I'm gonna wanna know your thoughts. Right, so you have the highly anticipated Creator Clash 2 just around the corner, a few weeks away. But all of a sudden, it was announced that someone was dropped from the card. With Creator Clash announcing on Saturday, there's been a change in the lineup and Froggy Fresh will no longer be fighting against Chris Reagan. We will announce his replacement in the coming days. With just three weeks left, the countdown to Creator Clash 2 has begun. And adding, Creator Clash's goal is to make it an inclusive and fun event for creators and fans while giving back to charity. That has always been our mission and Froggy Fresh's recent behavior does not align with that mission. We look forward to sharing this positive experience on April 15th. So what happened and why did that announcement get ratioed to hell? And while looking into this, it appears that it could be several things, but it appears to be this main one. And that's on or around March 24th, Froggy Fresh puts out a video where he's kind of just talking shit to Chris Raygun. Seems like a kind of standard, let's talk shit to each other, get people hyped up to see us fight sort of thing. But then randomly at the end of that video, someone else catches a stray. April 15th, if I don't hurt you beyond what anybody could have imagined, I will be so disappointed in myself that I will subscribe to only OnlyFans. <laughs> (laughs) Right, so Anissa and iDubs, they're married. They're the ones putting on Creator Clash, and Anissa has also received a lot of slut shaming due to her having an OnlyFans. So then we see an account that appears to be Anissa's mom stepping in, and they get into a fight. At one point, saying he wouldn't have the fight if not for her, as well as another tweet where she says she hopes the imp is replaced. With Froggy Fresh quote tweeting those tweets saying, Maureen, iDubs hit me up to beat up your daughter's boyfriend, as well as better an imp than a pimp. Shout out your boy iDubs. Anissa, come get your mom. You also have Froggy uploading videos at this time, but the next thing we see is that he gets dropped. And the massive and big reaction on Twitter is that people were not happy that he was removed from the card with one of the most liked reactions coming from Moise Critical who tweeted, I'm really disappointed by this. Kicking him for Twitter controversy after months of training is brutal. I don't think any jokes he made were intended to be mean-spirited or shit on anyone. Hopefully they reconsider this decision. But as of right now, that hasn't happened. That's where things are there. But we did see Mams Taylor, the co-founder of Misfits Boxing which actually signed a five-year deal with DAZN seeing an opportunity and tweeting, hey Froggy Fresh, we welcome you here at Misfits Boxing. DMs, don't worry, my mother-in-law won't be bothering you. And you know, with all this, depending on where you go on the internet, massively different reactions. Or you go one place, you see people having the opinion of Moise Critical saying, these are just jokes. The hope is that you get attention for the event in any way, so don't take things serious. But then you go somewhere else and you go, no, it, it makes sense for him to be removed. This is just slut-shaming and misogyny. You're taking jabs at the creators of the event with something that they've been harassed with for a while now, so why would they want to platform you? Which is why, of course, while I'd love to know your thoughts on anything that I talk about in these very big shows, I'd really love to know your thoughts on this specific story. What camp are you landing in? What's, what's your thinking here and why? Also, while we're talking about entertainment news, yes, I will address the dumbest fucking story I've seen over the weekend, and that is that Kanye West says he is now pro Jewish people. To which most people would go, okay, well what did it? Why the change? I mean for months he was going on these awful and scary anti-Semitic rants. And as it turns out what moved the Hitler lover was Jonah Hill and the movie 21 Jump Street. With him writing on Instagram over the weekend Watching Jonah Hill and 21 Jump Street made me like Jewish people again. No one should take anger against one or two individuals and transform that into hatred towards millions of innocent people. No Christian can be labeled anti-Semite knowing Jesus is Jew. Thank you Jonah Hill, I love you. To which the director of the movie responded, um, thanks for watching. The majority of other sane people going, okay, I don't know what the Nazi's talking about now. Because let's be clear, this story is so absurd that I understand why it's being used as entertainment. But do not let this distract you from the absolutely violent, disgusting, abhorrent shit that was coming out of his mouth. I understand that he's such a talented artist that there's this desire to try and clean up shit so we can like all like enjoy it. When people loudly and proudly show you what's in their heart and then just happen to have like a change of heart when they lose so much. Don't get distracted whether it be here or like the thing what was it one or two months ago where his daughter who he had in the past said you know I don't want her on TikTok doing a bunch of stuff. She does a TikTok with and then later impersonating Ice Spice. People going around saying hey Kanye was right see this is what he was talking about. Okay cool great that is a separate point. The Nazi up a good point about the non-Nazi things, still a Nazi. Like, Kanye is the kind of dude that if he got a time machine, he wouldn't go back to kill Hitler, he would go back to kill Hugo Boss so he could design the Nazi uniforms. And then, Jonathan Majors has been a massive rising star as of late, I mean, right now he has big movies in theaters like Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and Creed Three. But the big news from over the weekend is that Jonathan Majors got arrested for assault. The alleged incident taking place on Saturday in the Chelsea neighborhood of New York City. The NYPD saying they received a call from a woman who said she had been assaulted, claiming she was struck by an open hand and causing a laceration behind her ear and that she was bruised after Majors allegedly put his hand on her neck, with her being taken to the hospital for minor injuries, and she is in stable condition. But according to Variety, With strangulation, assault, and harassment listed as potential charges before Majors was officially charged with counts of assaults and harassment. But Majors' lawyer has denied the allegation, saying in a statement, Jonathan Majors is completely innocent and is provably the victim of an altercation with a woman he knows, further claiming that this incident was the result of the woman having an emotional crisis for which she was hospitalized. And as far as why, if that's the case, was Majors arrested, they said that the NYPD is required required to make an arrest in these situations, and they expect the charges to be dropped soon. But that lawyer also claiming that she received written statements from the victim recanting her claims. But at the same time, you people reporting to the Daily Beast, where they said the Manhattan District Attorney's Office did not say whether or not they had received such statements. Now, as far as some of the immediate fallout we've seen, after the news of the charges broke, the U.S. Army paused its ad campaign featuring Majors, saying it was deeply concerned by the allegations and noting, while Mr. Majors is innocent until proven guilty, prudence dictates that we pull our ads until the investigation into these allegations is complete. But ultimately, as of recording, that is where we are. That There's a lot of conversation of what's going to happen next. Right now, it seems like the biggest thing is to see whether the lawyer here is talking out of their ass, or they're actually being accurate. As the alleged victim actually recanted, what other details can we learn? And obviously with this story, I'm gonna keep my eyes on it. And when we get an update, I'll keep you in the loop. And then there's a very concerning story about children coming out of the UK right now, with a new report by the Children's Commissioner finding that police in England and Wales have consistently abused their power to strip search minors. With nearly 3,000 recorded strip searches of children taking place between 2018 and 2022, the youngest kid being just eight years old. The police reportedly didn't follow the rules in over half of the cases, which could mean a number of things. Things like, for example, an appropriate adult not being confronted Firm present during half of all searches with the location of the search not being recorded 45% of the time with it sometimes done in school and a police cruiser or even in public and these searches can be humiliating if not traumatizing for these kids with one of them describing his experience saying they're like right get your clothes off we're gonna see your bollocks now it almost felt a bit of a joke to them and while almost all the victims we're talking about are boys the incident that kicked off the scrutiny on this issue was a 15 year old black school girl known as child q right a year ago we found out that back in 2020 she was pulled from class by two female officers who suspected her of having marijuana they then strip searched her with other. No adult present, her intimate body parts reportedly being exposed, and because she was on her period, they made her remove her sanitary towel. Right, so they do all that, they find no drugs, and then you have hundreds of people protesting in anger and grief. You had racism being alleged there, and now with the commissioner's report, we know that that's definitely plausible. With it finding that 38% of children who were strip-searched were black, despite them making up just 5.9% of the population. Meaning that they're 11 times more likely to be strip-searched than their white peers. And a report last week suggesting this may be due to something called adultification, where black children are treated as adults and therefore as a threat. Which is why it shouldn't be surprising that a recent poll found that black children's trust in the police to just 36%, which is half of that of white children. And then $40 million lost a bankruptcy and a kidnapping—that is not the plot to my new movie, Bitcoin Boogaloo, Banana Boats over Baghdad. But rather, that's just the latest with Canada's self-proclaimed crypto king, 24-year-old Aiden Platerski. So Aiden is in the middle of bankruptcy proceedings, and a recent trustee report gave us some wild details. So Aiden and his company reportedly took over $40 million from investors, and he told them that he was investing it in cryptocurrency in a foreign exchange. But the report it says that he only truly invested less than two percent of that money. We're talking about less than $700,000. With him instead reportedly spending somewhere around $16 million of the investor's money on himself. You know, he lived the high life, renting private jets, going on vacation, buying luxury cars, staying in fancy houses. But then crypto fell in the fall of 2021. Aiden said that he lost the investments, but tried to get the money back. And saying in doing so, I guess you could say greed took over and I was taking very aggressive positions and I was trying to make returns that obviously weren't feasible or weren't necessarily possible at the time and it just caused more losses. And then in August, Aiden and his investment company were declared bankrupt. Since then, investors have come forward looking to get back a total of $25 million, which is very notable because bank records show that Aiden took just over $41 million, so there are other people who invested in Aiden and his company that have not reported their losses in civil claims, which may or may not be connected to the new information that's come to light, where according to the trustee report, Aiden's father reported that Aiden was kidnapped last December, with him allegedly taken from the streets of Toronto and driven around Southern Ontario for three days, during which he was reportedly beaten and tortured, and he allegedly called his landlord for the $3 million ransom the kidnappers were demanding. But the landlord told him there was nothing he could do. So Aiden was reportedly released after three days, with his father saying he was released with a threat that he needed to- come up with some money fast, and if he had went to the police, there would be a lot more trouble. But with all this, we've seen a few schools of thought online about Aiden's situation and what actually happened. Right, some saying he probably staged a kidnapping to try to fleece his landlord of a cool $3 million. But others saying, no, this is actually plausible. Maybe he was dealing with some dangerous people that are trying to get their money back outside of the legal system. But with all that, I think the main lessons here, one, just don't trust people named Aiden or at the very least, two, don't trust 24-year-olds who post shit like this with your money. The only thing I trust when I see that picture is that he probably knows how to source Rohypnol. And then, longtime viewers know that I've been earning rewards by shopping through Drop for years now. So thanks to Drop for that, but also thanks for sponsoring today's PDS. If you don't know, Drop's a totally free app that's frankly the fastest and easiest way to stretch your dollar and get rewarded for the shopping that you're already doing. And y'all, let me tell you, the rewards add up. Plus, they just launched a new promotion called Cash Drop Wednesdays. Use the app to shop from now until April 6th, and just by using Drop, you could be the next big winner. And Drop makes it so simple by having hundreds of brands that you already shop at, like Petco, Adidas, Rite Aid, Games stop lift and more and they give you customized offers tailored to your tastes all you got to do is download the app link your credit or debit card and start getting rewarded it's free it's personalized and it can even make you some serious cash and cash drop wednesdays trust me once you start doing it you won't want to shop without it so download it today and start getting rewarded on all your everyday purchases just go to joindrop.com slash phil and use code phil 2023 to get five dollars worth of drop points and then in international news yo i know for some of you it feels like the world is just in complete chaos right now but Well, yeah, it is, it is. You have a good sense of things. You fucking dummy, did you come to the Philip DeFranco show for the bright side of news? No. You come to find out how the world's on fire, you go, oh, at least that's not happening to me, or it is happening to you, and you're like, yeah, our story's getting out. It feels so good to be seen while the smell of burning trash and baguettes are in the air. Yeah, no, the the summary is, shit's crazy right now. Or beyond Russia's war with Ukraine and all the craziness surrounding that, there's political turmoil and protests in France, Germany, India, and Israel. Where France has faced weeks of protest over President Emmanuel Macron's plan to raise the retirement age, police and protesters increasingly getting into violent confrontation. You've also got German transportation workers going on the country's largest strike in decades over pay disputes, bringing the country to a standstill for both domestic and international travelers. In India, you have supporters of former lawmaker Rahul Gandhi protesting his dismissal from parliament and pending prison sentence over defamatory comments that questioned the prime minister's relationship with a massive businessman. Members of his party even wearing black shirts to Congress today that said, save democracy. But the turmoil that has absolutely dominated headlines this weekend and today is Israel. With Jerusalem being completely swamped with protesters and parts of the government are falling apart all because of this judicial reform bill. We've talked about it before, but in case you've missed those episodes, because you're one of those, I used to watch you motherfuckers, how dare you? I'm in my peak era right now. But I'll forgive you if you come back every day like a good boy or girl. But the main oversimplified point is that this bill would give way more power to the legislature to completely control and ignore Israel's judicial system. Which, shocker, would greatly benefit Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his allies. And notably, the bill is extremely divisive, but not equally so. Where those in the center and left almost universally oppose the bill. Whereas with the right, it's kind of a mixed bag with most supporting the bill, but a sizable number coming out against it. This including Defense Minister Yoav Gallant yesterday, we are actually now former Defense Minister, because Bibi sacked him over his public opposition to the bill. And him getting kicked to the curb was actually a major catalyst for today's protests. So a key thing is that Gallant is not the only government figure to oppose the bill. There are even now calls from within Bibi's own party for Justice Minister Yariv Levin to resign for bringing Israel to the brink of war because of his constant efforts to push the bill. We're also seeing other parts of the government coming to a standstill after Israel's largest trade union and its allies called for a general strike, even leading to other government workers walking out of their jobs. And I mean, it's at a point where even Israel's embassies and consulates around the world are just closed, with some senior officials even resigning their posts. And importantly, it's not just government workers that we're talking about. The general strike means that most workers just aren't working right now. And Even major corporations like McDonald's are coming out in support of the strike. So congratulations to whoever had the Israeli government versus the Golden Arches on their 2023 bingo card. Do you know how fucked up shit has to be for corporate greed to go? Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. This is a bit much. You have workers and companies agreeing that shutting down the economy is worth it. The turmoil has also caused. A a lot of confusion. Right, throughout the day, it's been reported that Netanyahu was set to freeze a judicial overhaul to stop the constant protests and de facto mutiny by government workers. But now, things are a little less clear after far-right National Security Minister Itamar Bengbir threatened to resign if the process was halted and is also mobilizing protests in support of the bill for tonight. And he's pretty important because he controls a party that Netanyahu needs to keep his majority coalition. But then, wait, things are moving so fast that may not even happen. Because Netanyahu just announced that the bill is officially frozen for a few weeks until the legislature comes back from a recess. Where right, this despite threats from people like Bengbir changing his threat to only agree to this if his agency was given a militia, something that isn't happening. So this is being seen as a major win for protesters, because the reality is, BB likely had enough votes to just force through the legislation. It is 100% only because of this constant protesting from everyday Israelis that this delay is even a possibility. But for now, we're gonna have to wait to see what happens, because this is still a developing situation. So one, make sure you're subscribed so I can keep you in the loop on future episodes this week. That's the benefit of having a daily news show like mine, so you're not constantly doom-scrolling on Twitter. Which, random side note, a uh, shout-out to Elon Musk. Love what you did with the algorithm. Love opening the app and just seeing people get punched in the head for no reason up from accounts I don't follow. But regarding Israel, we may get more definitive answers tonight, Netanyahu Yahoo expected to give a speech about what's going to happen next. Also regarding the, the briefly noted Elon Musk and Twitter, they were in the news for two reasons. The first being that on Friday, it was discovered that sections of the platform's source code was posted on GitHub, with evidence indicating that it was posted sometime early January, which I'm sure is just a coincidence that it happened around the time a bunch of employees were laid off. And while GitHub quickly took down the code after Twitter filed a DMCA takedown, they're still trying to use the threat of legal action to try and get the identity of the poster. Though, if you did manage to get source code it might not actually even be worth building a twitter with elon musk revealing to employees that the company is now worth 20 billion dollars which hey for most companies would be a fantastic valuation except for the fact that that is less than half of the amount that he paid for the company but if you are one of twitter's remaining employees do not worry because musk assured them this is going to be a 250 billion dollar company one day with that coming in spite of all available evidence. Also in the note of money, we should talk about the banking situation right now, with the feds likely breathing a sigh of relief after First Citizens Bank agreed to buy large chunks of Silicon Valley Bank, with a deal including the transfer of SVB's $56 billion in deposits alongside the purchase of about $72 billion in loans. And what's crazy is that First Citizens likely got a killer deal, because beyond getting cold hard cash, it also got those loans at a $16.5 billion discount. Plus, beyond getting paid for those transactions, the FDIC will also get some stock rights at First Citizens worth about $500 million, and the two will also share in any losses on the loans as part of the transfer. And that last part is reportedly a common thing in these scenarios. Where there's still about $90 billion worth of other assets still under the FDIC's control, and the group expects that SVB's failure will cost the insurance fund about $20 billion. And currently, it doesn't seem like the sale had any wider implication on the stock market, although for a Citizen stock did get a huge boost from it. Well, we should definitely keep our eyes down the road to see what else happens from here. What we're currently looking at is so much better than the feared banking collapse that we heard about over the last two weeks. And in a quick update, if you didn't watch yesterday's show, right, we talked about the United Auto Workers Union. And Even with this update after today's show, one of the top links, go back and watch yesterday's show, because right? you'll understand how big of a deal this is. Because we ended up seeing the United Auto Workers electing Sean Fain as its new president. Yeah, after years and years of corruption scandals, the UAW has now ousted the faction that ruled it over seven decades in favor of a progressive reformer for the first time in its history. And that means that we should expect Fain and his supporters to take a much more aggressive posture during upcoming contract negotiations with GM, Ford, and Fiat Chrysler. Also, while we're talking about updates, we should talk about Shell Oil, because maybe it's not such a good thing that oil companies are leaving Nigeria. Which I know might sound weird to you if you remember our recent story about the the decades-long devastation wrought in the Niger Delta by giants like Shell. But now you have a report out there finding that as it and other firms exit the country, the environmental disasters are actually getting worse. And that's because when these massive companies are divesting from their oil-producing assets, somebody has to be on the other end of that sale, and more often than not, it's a local producer, who as it turns out, is even less careful and lacks the same reporting standards. And so now in multiple cases, we've seen emissions from natural gas flaring, a byproduct of oil production, increase dramatically after Nigerian companies took over. And several sources have said that local producers have neglected to clean up oil spills for weeks or months, causing their already poor health to deteriorate. With one man even saying, we were excited to see our brothers in control. We thought they would understand our needs, but it has gone from bad to worse. So while you have Shell and other oil giants tout these divestments as proof that they're moving toward net zero emissions by investing in cleaner technologies, the truth is a bit more complicated. In political news, we've seen Donald Trump ramping up the violent rhetoric ahead of his possible indictment in the Stormy Daniels case. Right Late last week, the former president posted on true social warning, or more accurately, outright threatening the potential death and destruction that would come if he's charged. Also in a now-deleted post on the platform, he shared a picture of himself holding a baseball bat, seemingly ready to swing, right next to Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who's leading the investigation. And, I mean, his language has gotten so incendiary that even one of Trump's own lawyers said that his posts attacking Bragg are ill-advised. But also, who's actually surprised? The guy who literally incited a violent insurrection of his supporters, who thinks that he did nothing wrong, not being careful with his words? And it appears we may already be seeing the impact of his escalating language. Or right, reportedly just one day after his death and destruction post, DA Bragg was reportedly sent a threatening letter that contained an unknown white powder. Well, luckily, law and enforcement officials have since determined that the powder was non-hazardous. Still scary, especially because the letter read, Alvin, I'm going to kill you. And what's more, the head of the Senate Intelligence Committee told reporters he had been briefed by the FBI, which had informed him that the level of rhetoric on some of these right-wing sites has increased, but also trying to appear strong, adding that the agency is fully prepared for any possible violence. But as far as what happens next, we have to wait and see what happens and if an indictment comes down. With it being reported that sources have said that the grand jury is expected to reconvene today, though it's unclear when they could vote on whether to indict Trump. Also, what we're talking about concerning social media use talk about the kids? Because one of the questions being asked right now are, are laws that aim to restrict kids and teens from using social media actually effective? One of the reasons so many people are asking those questions is because we're seeing more restrictions being proposed and implemented. I mean, just last week, Utah's governor signed a pair of bills that's been described as some of the most aggressive laws passed by any state to curb the use of social media by young people. In fact, it is the first state in the country to impose these kinds of rules. With the two laws requiring companies to verify that users in Utah are over the age of 18 and get parental consent before letting minors on their platforms. Beyond that, companies will also be required to give guardians access to their child's account and set a default curfew for kids to block them from going on social media from 10.30 p.m. to 6.30 a.m. Though so parents will have the ability to adjust those limits. There are also provisions that target direct messaging, search results, and data collection for minors, among other things. While these moves are definitely significant and there's been a lot of debate over whether this is right or not, there have also been a lot of questions about how these age restrictions can actually be enforced. Right? Because social media platforms already technically ban anyone under the age of 13 from using most of their services, but that's incredibly easy to get around. I mean, you even had Utah's governor admitting in an interview just yesterday that the laws weren't foolproof, saying, among other things, they could face enforcement issues and other legal challenges. But this is gonna be a very important thing to watch, see how it plays out, because it's likely not just Utah. And we're seeing a growing number of state and local officials pursuing legislation or taking legal action on this front. For example, you had lawmakers in Texas and Arkansas reportedly considering laws that are similar to Utah's new policies. And at the same time, you have school districts in both Seattle and California's San Mateo County suing social media companies for providing harmful content to children. Also on the note of harmful content and California, right now, California is wetter than your mom's ever been. But the state's so wet right now from the insane onslaught of rainstorms and atmospheric rivers that Governor Gavin Newsom is now rolling back drought restrictions. There's now all but around 33 of the state's 80 emergency drought orders Newsom imposed since last spring being lifted. Beyond that, water supplies that have been slashed for agencies serving 27 million Californias has now been significantly increased, with them now receiving 75% of requested supplies instead of just 35%. Newsom also reversing his request that residents of the state voluntarily reduce water use by 15%. And so while the storms have certainly caused damage throughout the state, it's also helped ease a lot of the most serious drought conditions. Right? Because while the weather from these last few weeks and months has made me sad, poor Philly doesn't like clouds. And rain. Oh, poor him. Before that, when I was living my best life in the sun, the last three years have been the driest ever in recorded history for California. I mean, y'all, it is genuinely crazy. Less than a year ago, more than 90% of the state was in severe or extreme drought, with officials at that time saying that the state's biggest reservoirs were at half of their historical averages and that the snowpack, which provides essential water when it melts in the hotter seasons, was at 14% of average. But since then, Los Angeles has recorded over two feet of rain. That's nearly 200% of the normal amount since the season began in October, with similar levels of rain also falling in San Francisco, Sacramento, and other major cities. And so now you have almost two-thirds of the state no longer in drought. And on Friday, the statewide snowpack was 228% of normal for that date, while the snowpack in the southern Sierra hit an all-time record of 286% of normal. But a key thing to take away from this, Newsom still stopped short of declaring that California's drought is entirely over, with him noting the conditions remain in some areas and cautioning the state to continue conservation efforts. But that's also not the only place we're getting conflicting water news. Right now you got officials in Philadelphia rescinding the recommendation that residents of Bucks County drink bottled water after toxic chemicals spilled into a tributary of the Delaware River, which key is a drinking water source for nearly 14 million people in four states. So what had happened was on Friday, a pipe ruptured at a chemical plant in the state, sending around 8,100 gallons of a water-soluble acrylic polymer solution into Otter Creek in Bucks County, which resulted in officials on Sunday saying, hey, out of an abundance of caution, drink bottled water, and saying they could not be 100% sure that there won't be traces of these chemicals in the tap water throughout the afternoon. But then, just a few hours later, they reversed that warning saying that no contaminants had been found and that the water would be safe to drink at least through Monday evening. But still, encouraging people to store up a few days of water just in case if the situation changes. Yeah, not stressful at all for the people there who probably at this point don't fucking trust anybody. And then we had horrible breaking news this morning from Nashville where a school shooting has left multiple people dead. Now, big thing to keep in mind, this is still a developing story. We're gonna be talking about more details later. Things could change from when I'm recording this to when you see it. But as of this morning, at least six people were killed. Metro Nashville Police Department tweeting that the shooting took place at Covenant School and that the shooter was engaged by MNPD and is dead. Reports describing the school as a private Christian school for preschool through sixth grade. That among the dead, you have three students and three adults with official saying that including the shooter, seven people in total are dead. And police identifying the shooter as a 28-year-old female. Reports saying that she was allegedly armed with two assault-style rifles and a handgun. With the area's representative, Congressman Andy Ogles, who right now is trending on Twitter because this was his family's Christmas card, responding to this tragedy with a statement, My family and I are devastated by the tragedy that took place at the Covenant School in Nashville this morning. We are sending our thoughts and prayers to the families of those lost. As a father of three, I am utterly heartbroken by the senseless act of violence. I am closely monitoring the situation and working with local officials. Thank you for the brave first responders who have provided support throughout this tragedy. But with that, like I said, this tragedy is a developing situation. As we learn more, as our updates, I'll keep you in the loop later this week. And with that, that's the news of the day. Thank you as always for watching. My name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love your faces and I'll see you tomorrow.